Welcome, everybody, to the Gate Expectations podcast, where I bring in a weekly guest, talk all things Yu-Gi-Oh!, and get to know a little more about each person I talk to. This is the only Yu-Gi-Oh! podcast that is run by a full-fledged journalist such as myself. This is episode 14. If you haven't checked it out yet, you can check out earlier podcasts with guests like Stephen Trifonoski, Jesse Cotton, Team Samurai X1, Doug Zeef, Cody Angeloff, and many more. My guest for this week has a YouTube channel, and he is a huge YouTuber with almost 78,000 subscribers. He has over 34,000 Twitch followers and is arguably one of the most comedic YouTubers and is the current YouTuber grand champion. It's Nadir Mizuni, a.k.a. Farfa. Farfa, thank you so much for coming on to my podcast. No problem. I just want to correct you really quick. It's actually a two-time YouTuber grand championship in the I, role. I, I, Yes, I, I, you know, I did see that too, and I was going to mention you, you. I know you're two time, but you're also the current as well. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so thanks again for for coming on. By the way, there's all a big time difference between us, considering you're all the way out in Scotland and uh, I'm here in Canada, where it's, so it's about a five hour difference. I actually had it mixed up before, where I thought it was for some reason seven hours, and sorry, I had to reschedule so on that uh, little mishap on my part. That's okay. Like on the plus side, like you get to be closer to Triff and Jesse. So, you know, who's the real winner here? Yeah, <laughs> that is fair. They're only about an hour and an hour and a half drive away from where I live. So they're not too far off. And I've, I've had the pleasure of being able to do both of them. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> so, I mean, you're right now probably one of the most popular YouTubers that are out there right now. And you put a lot more of a, like a comedic uh, twist on a, a lot of your videos like where did that all start from i think like my channels had like a big transformation multiple times over the years since the very beginning it's always been uh it's been a long time and it's been kind of hard to like really settle into a niche and settle into like an identity and uh, mm -hmm. maybe that's just the process of content creation in general but i'm pretty happy where where i'm at just now like um in the end like i think like the way i make videos is basically um I don't really make videos anymore for the sake of making videos. Um, mm -hmm. My focus right now, my primary objective really is like Twitch. And that's kind of like where I, what I care about most is like my community on Twitch and my regular followers and subscribers on Twitch. That's really what um, means the most to me right now. And YouTube uh, really just feels like a hobby at the moment. Um, and I guess like I've made it like a, a goal to like hit 100K and get that plaque sometime mm -hmm. soon. Um, doing pretty decently. Got seven thousand and seven hundred subs in September, so it's slowly getting there. Uh, mm -hmm. But like for the identity and the content creation side, I feel like it's just mostly like, uh, you know, it's it's uh, the way I, I make videos is basically you know, what do I like? You know, why what what videos do I enjoy watching? What do I like? And you know, what what where where do I get my enjoyment from when I watch YouTube? From because I don't really watch a lot of Yu-Gi-Oh YouTube at all, actually, like very little. Anything Yu-Gi-Oh related, I do. I actually just do on stream. Um, I don't actually mm -hmm. do that much outside of the outside of my stream. It's it's literally just all in on Twitch. Um, because you know, I just it feels like you know you're separating your work and your hobby a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, so anything I, I, I watch and all the media I consume for other games I watch, other niches, other um, circles and spheres that I like enjoy on YouTube that are outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Like I watch content creators from those kind of areas and then I ask myself, what do I like about them? What is it about their content that keeps me coming back? Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, that's kind of like what, what I enjoy most is and then I try and emulate it. So right now I've went with... Uh, 
you know, shorter videos, which I think is a big sort of niche that's missing in YouTube right now for Yu-Gi-Oh! at least. Mm -hmm. There isn't really anyone out there who makes like short videos. It's all very drawn out, stretched, uh, semi, I don't want to sound like really edgy and stuff, but it's like really kind of vanilla content. And, mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I think like people, sometimes they want to watch a video. They just want to like get in, get the information, get out. And I try and do that. Um, yeah, I, I find a lot of, uh, you know, t technology nowadays is that we have instant access to everything. So, you know, we kind of want things like, you know, quickly and we want to know it. And uh, it sounds like that's the kind of content that you're trying to deliver in this day and age, because, you know, we some people don't have the time to be able to go around and like watch for like 20, 30 minutes straight. I mean, even this podcast takes about 60 to 90 minutes. This is something for, you know, people if they just want to listen to in the background while they work, but as opposed to you that we want to have something like really like visually nice and quickly informative. And that's what a lot of your videos does. Is, is, is that uh, pretty much a good justification of that? Yeah, exactly. Like you, you know, I, I, the, the focus I take is like, I try to have a balance between informative and entertaining. You know, I want people to like, I like creating the videos. Um, not so much like the editing procedure, but I, I really enjoy writing. I really enjoy like having an image in my mind of like how like the script is going to play out and how everything is going to unfold, like in the video and how it's going to sequence and where the cutaways are going to be and where the zooms and the gags are going to go. And um, I, I love that process a lot. Um, so I really enjoy that, you know, and uh, bringing that balance where like, you know, I feel like personally, I'm somewhat like slightly above average, uh, like skills. So, you know, I have like a little bit to offer and a little bit to teach people. Um, mm -hmm. So I can bring that with a bit of an entertaining twist. And I think that's just a really good formula. And it's been working out clearly. You know, I, the, the numbers show, uh, speak for themselves. And I'm pretty proud of uh, like the new direction sort of I've taken semi recently. Mm -hmm. And that's what I really enjoyed about your videos is the, is the comedic take that you uh, approach with your your videos because that's the stuff that you know keeps me watching your stuff is that you know you're you're entertaining you're funny uh, while you deliver your message and you know it that's always a big thing that's difficult is being able to just retain your audience and I think that really does a fantastic job and I think it reflects how you have such big numbers on both your Twitch and YouTube. Yeah, like if you look at like competitive content um, on on Yu-Gi-Oh, like over the years, it's, it's it's never really been something that's done well. It's it's never something that has succeeded. It's never been something that's you know thrived. Like there isn't like a big uh, you know YouTuber or content creator who is uh, specifically very seriously in depth, technical, big gameplay related. Uh, YouTuber, right? It's just not a thing, you know, like there's a balance, like people kind of don't really care that much about the super in-depth, like technical sort of aspect of, okay, well, where am I going to learn how to do an infernoble combo through this two hand traps that ends on this board? But what if I draw this specific, like that's, no one cares. Like, you know, yeah. like that's just not something to care about. Like it's, it's, it's people just want like a little bit of entertaining factor. They want to see funny stuff. They want to see Yu-Gi-Oh! Um, at its like best which in my opinion i feel is like when it's played like you know i, I don't want to just say like for fun because that's a very sort of cheap takeaway and it sort of relinquishes like the uh competitive aspect a lot but it, it's it, it's like you, you know like they want to see like things that are good like good decks and good gameplay and good players but like you know at the same time like with a bit of a nice spin right and i feel like mm -hmm. that's kind of what i'm trying to what i'm trying to do yeah, because you know that there's like um like hundreds and thousands of 
people who try to get into Yuki tubing or, or whatever. And, you know, they just kind of do the same stuff and just do deck profiles. And, and you know, it just kind of seems stale. And, you know, you have to offer something that, you know, yet you have that other people don't. And I, I would guess in your case, and, and, and I try not to curse when I, when I'm on this podcast, but in, in your case, it'll work. But, you know, you, you also like to shit post as well as, as you do your videos as well. You're, you're known for that, which also is like a, a kind of a niche for your, all your videos as well. Yeah, I think like even as far back as uh, my channel in the early days, back when I had 5,000 subs, 10K subs, 20K subs, uh, a, a consistent theme has always been just like shitposting, really. So yeah. that's uh, that's kind of like one of my strengths and what I've played to. And I think like it's something that uh, works really well with a game like Yu-Gi-Oh! Because Yu-Gi-Oh! is just a, a game that has so much potential for creating funny content. Like there's... Mm -hmm. like, not just me, like you look at rank 10 Yu-Gi-Oh, you look at Kamina Cat's old um, 101 how to play series, uh, mm -hmm. Table 500, like there's 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 just a lot, a lot of com uh, potential in Yu-Gi-Oh just to, for funny things to happen. And I think mm -hmm. that's where the game thrives uh, best, in, at least in the uh, YouTube side. Mm -hmm. Well, you know, with the success of your YouTube channel, you know, with all these funny bits, it, it reminds me of a, like a quick little story that I, I heard a long time ago. And I regard you as kind of like a, a jester of Yu-Gi-Oh! And what I mean by that is, you know, you know, typically back in the old days, like when kings would have their jesters to entertain them, the jesters were the only people that were actually able to tell the truth. And they were actually the smartest ones and knew how to ran the kingdom. They weren't just there for purely entertainment. They were there to actually direct the king. And that's kind of you in a sense. You're funny, yet you're informative and you're actually telling it like really how it is right now. And I think also that's a bit of the shit posting as well, because you're, you kind of go in grounds where not a lot of people are going in. I mean, you kind of shit posting, but you're not doing it because you're trying to, uh, you're trying to just like troll people or whatnot. You're really just doing it as you're trying to like uncover actual news or like really tell the public like, what's going on. Yeah, I'm a class clown, basically a glorified <laughs> class clown. <laughs> no, I hey, think that, uh, the 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 thing that I uh, I get a lot of. Uh, I mean, every YouTuber has their hate, hate, and their you know the negatives that people don't like about their channel, and everyone's like got their own you know staple sort of uh criticism like team sam's like too overreactive and too crazy and dz is boring and that blah, blah blah everyone has theirs and i think like the one i get usually is like the uh uh toxic i think maybe is like the word i'd use like a lot of people say i don't think i am obviously but i think that's probably the one i've seen a lot of and i think it's because like people don't understand that like the best way to like i don't know it's just like a life sort of lesson is uh if you can't laugh at yourself then i don't really know like how, what your perspective on being alive must be right. Like you, 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 I feel like everyone should be able to like laugh and insult themselves. And you know, if, if you can't do that, then I, I think you're just taking, you're just taking life too seriously, you know, not, not even just like Yu-Gi-Oh, you know, shit posting videos, just life in, in general. So that's, that's what I say, uh, what, what I like doing, what I enjoy most. Like I, 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 maybe it's like a culture thing, like British humor, I feel like is generally pretty self-deprecating. And uh, that's what I enjoy most. And like, I love, I love that, like really sort of tongue in cheek, awkward kind of uh, humor a lot. And um, I think so for a lot of people, it just doesn't work, which, which is fine. You know, you're not, you don't have to enjoy and like everything. Um, but I think like that can come across as toxic and it can come across as really negative for people who just aren't really accustomed to that style of humor. Mm -hmm. I would agree with you on that sense, because I, I, I self-depreciate myself all the time. 
and I, I love making fun of myself. You know, it's it's just something you don't take yourself too seriously. And I feel like you're comfortable with yourself if you're able to to do that all the time. And, you know, not mean that maliciously to yourself as like kind of like a dark thing. But, you know, I make fun of myself all the time. Like So like just for an example, and this is I'm not saying this is true, but, you know, I, I'm I'm Asian. And there's, you know, there's all that stereotype of, you know, they have, like, small genitalia. And I make that joke all the time with my girlfriend. And she does that the same with me. We both get a laugh out of it. And I don't, I don't laugh at myself. I always laugh at myself. And I don't take myself too seriously. You know, it's, it's a comfort thing for myself, I personally find, anyway. That's uh... <laughs> I don't have any comment. <laughs> Sounds like a nice kink. <laughs> it's, it's quite the kick. Oh, God. See, I, see I've done... I do professional wrestling as well. I haven't done it so much lately, but all of my like jokes and everything are like Asian stereotypes and everything just gets pulled out of the hat. They're like nothing, nothing is off the table for, for myself when it comes to self-deprecation. Mm, okay. It's, it's pretty fun. It's pretty funny. So like when I watch your videos, I, I always just have a nice little laugh, you know, at the end of the day, if I just need to unwind, I just want to laugh and do a little bit of Yu-Gi-Oh. Like that's where I turn to you for, for for YouTube and just give myself, you know, a good like five, 10 minutes of j- just a quick laugh that I can go on with the rest of my day after I've unwound after like a long day of work. So th- th- that's kind of where I use your outlet of videos. And, you know, th- th- that's why I'm sure you have like so much success for both your Twitch and your YouTube. Yeah, just quick and to the point and a bit of entertainment on top. And that's, uh, I feel like, you know, the best way to connect people after like, you know, they just want to watch a quick video on the bus or something on the way home from work or whatever, or to work Et cetera, et cetera. just something to brighten up the day and keep the uh keep the mood up you know mm-hmm. well the, you say that you uh, invest more into your twitch I, or your your care about more about your twitch than, than your to youtube um what do you do on your twitch i don't know bro i've been streaming on twitch for like two years i still don't know what i do on twitch uh <laughs> I, I, I go through like entire streams and then whole days on twitch and we don't even actually know what happens um like I guess I'll, I'll, you know, this is a little bit of a formula. Like I'll get on, you know, we'll talk like one on one with chat for a bit. I'll, uh, I'll do my warm up duel, play like an actual Yu-Gi-Oh game on Dueling Book, and then we'll just like watch YouTube videos and uh, Yu-Gi-Oh related content, and then discussions, and then like uh, a couple of like funny events and stuff happen regularly. Like I'll let people do like this thing called like the Dragoon Challenge, where you know I'll summon a Dragoon and then I'll spin a wheel, and then they have to like play through Dragoon plus like Ojama King or Dragoon plus like, you know, uh, secret village. It's just like really dumb stuff like that. Um, so it's, it's, I, I try to like make everything like kind of like community based and stuff. And mm-hmm. I try bring people in as much as I can. Cause I feel like that's probably how people enjoy Twitch most is when they feel involved and when they feel like they're not just watching like an entity, they're like watching a person that they like can like, in a sense, I almost like hang out with, right? Mm-hmm. It's, that's really great that you can provide like interaction with your fans too, because you know, you see a lot of streams, and most of the stream is just, oh, just watch me play this. Uh, this is just a playthrough of this or whatnot. That's what you would typically expect from like a Yu Gi Oh player, is just watch them play on Dueling Book or something. So being able to, and you know, have interactions with your audience is pretty cool and a little bit different. Like, I also watched. Uh, the video that you had with Triff that you put up, uh, well, the Triff put out about last week, roughly, with that you get put the Dragoon challenge on him. Yeah, and uh, I, and I enjoy I enjoy that myself. But it, it's that kind of content that really like, kind of makes it uh, more it humanizes it. Yeah, definitely. 
And I, I think something I, uh, you know, I'll make, I'll mix it up. Like I'll, you know, there are days where I actually just like, I'm just like super into the meta. I'm super into the game. Like right now, for example, I'm actually like really, really into dragons and I enjoy them like a lot. So recently, like a lot of my streams have actually just been me like, like try hard, seriously grinding rated on Dueling Book. Cause like, I just really like the deck. Um, so, you know, you know, and other, on other days, you know, I'll just like completely sick of this game and I just hate, like, I never want to see a, a I don't want to look at an Ibiru or anything right now, like you know. So, it's it's just a mix, right? Some days, some days are like I want to do this. Some days I want to do that, and people just kind of come along for the ride as much as uh, as much as they want, if they want. It reminds me of that the uh, the video you put up when you uh, you decided to just quote unquote quit Yu-Gi-Oh because your opponent like top deck card demise right off the top, and you kept like drawing Garnet like in your opening hand with Brilliant Fusion as well. It, again, those are quite entertaining as well, and I I always love them. But I also noticed that you put out um, you put out Among Us videos from time to time as well. Uh, I haven't actually posted any Among Us videos, but I have played a, a decent amount on Twitch. Yeah, that, that, that's that's what I mean. I, I keep seeing like, Among Us videos on your Twitch, and uh, my girlfriend and I have been really getting into it lately. Um, so is is that kind of like part of your little, little rotation that's on Twitch, or is that something you just kind of? Decided to do like randomly once in a while. I like to stick to like mostly Yu-Gi-Oh because I think it's better to uh, kind of like consistently have like an audience that w like know what they're getting, you know. And mm -hmm. then like there's a bunch of stuff I've always wanted to like play on Twitch, but I kind of just never really got around to because I just feel like people would rather just kind of see you uh, do the thing that they're kind of used to. And um, I think like obviously it works really well for other streamers because they don't like care. Like they just want to see like their favorite streamer play whatever game that comes out. Um, yep. I try not like get too far into variety, but um, you know, occasionally, like you know, we we did like an Among Us game with like Triff or something recently, and oh, nice. oh my god, that was one of the dumbest, funniest evenings of my entire life. Like, wow, <laughs> Triff trying to um, lie is uh, actually unreal. So, but yeah, <laughs> okay, you know, I'll I'll mix it up a little bit, I'll, but I'll, I generally my focus is like it's always going to be Yu-Gi-Oh. Really, how long was that? Uh, was that Among Us game with Triff? Like how long oh, I can't remember. I think we played like all night, like three, four hours. I'm pretty sure I was up to like 3 a.m. or something streaming, like just playing Among Us with Triff. Oh, how recent was it? Uh, like two, three weeks ago, something like that. Okay. Like, have you ever thought of like just getting a collab a, a collaboration of like different like YouTubers or like big Yu-Gi-Oh Yugi names and uh, mm -hmm. just have a night of Among Us? Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like, I've tried really hard to like get a bunch of them together, but like, you know, they're all like different. You know, we're all like different time zones, and like, so, you know, one YouTuber is like like not that into it, and other guys like got his own friend group that play, play with, and then like this guy's busy, and this guy doesn't know how to use a computer like, like for video games. Like, yeah, it's just kind of a mess. You know, I've, I've tried, I've tried really hard, but meh, it's not really working out. Oh yeah, that that's fair. Is the yeah. the different time zone thing definitely has to be has to be a problem as well. I can understand that. I mean. Here we are right now. I'm in 10:30 in the morning for me. I don't I usually. This is my time to wake up. <laughs> I'm a night hawk. <laughs> yeah, but but nonetheless, you know, going from your Twitch now to back back to your YouTube because you've done a whole lot of stuff there. But we've, as you said, you've gone through a lot of transformations before that. Um, I mean, pretty sure you weren't always known as Farfa. You were known as a uh, Glasgow Yu-Gi-Oh before that. Mm -hmm. Yep. That is true. Yeah. So, so what, uh, what caused that little transition? Um, so I think at the time I was in grad school and I was like becoming, uh, like an actual teacher, um, in high school. And I just wanted to like separate my identity from my online identity. And, um, mm -hmm. 
you know, so I figured it was, and it was probably a good time anyway, because my content was really changing then as well. And I thought it was maybe just a good time to like freshen up and, you know, a new persona, a new chapter, a new sort of uh, take, like, you know, going forward and stuff. And I, I thought it was like a good opportunity to like, you know, just to have a fresh start, really. Um, mm -hmm. I don't think it was anything particularly, uh, like, it wasn't like a bad thing that sparked it or anything. It was just like, you know, I just made a, made a conscious decision that I wanted to separate myself from my 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 other self essentially right mm -hmm. so what what's the difference between glasgow Yu-Gi-Oh on youtube uh compared to farfa on youtube god i don't know content sucked i guess like, <laughs> I, don't know, I don't know man like i i can't even remember what my content was now that i think about it it's just really vanilla content you know like it's a couple of deck profiles <laughs> Uh, some bad quality discussions, uh, you know, hyper registered cam to this uh, desktop recording, just bad content. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I actually don't understand like why my channel even slightly grew under Glasgow YGO, to be honest. Um, I, I guess like I had a lot of my real life friends and presence who were, uh, you know, they were, they were sort of carrying the channel a lot. Like I had like a lot of funny people back then who'd make like insane deck profiles like danny's old ba profiles uh, mm -hmm. uh I, I think that's about it yeah <laughs> my friends basically <laughs> carried a lot of it um mm -hmm. i don't think i did much i can't just, honestly i don't remember anything memorable as glasgow yg i don't like i <laughs> the nope. channel sucked like i have no idea what the channel was back then. <laughs> i actually don't know it was garbage <laughs> yeah. So like, so how could you attribute yourself to like the success that you've you've had then in the in like the past like roughly like four years I guess because I think that's when you really started to transform over from from Glasgow to to Farfa at that point in time. Yeah, I think it's just um, you know very slowly. It's taken me a lot longer than other people uh, to just find the niche and just find the uh, the you know like the just really like the the recipe that just works best for me like what is it that people are going to come to my channel for and what you know because like I've, I've always tried like i think like before like i tried to do like just a bit of everything like i try and do deck profiles i try and do news i try and do like discussions and then like, it's just really overwhelming even when you're doing it for um full time it's like you just develop this like almost like kind of schizophrenic style of channel that just doesn't really know what it's doing but it's also trying to do this but like not this and you know uh don't want to be too mean or say it bluntly but like you can kind of see with channels like asian eyes for example that were like you know the absolute untouchable king of kings of youtube and um it's just you know just, where is he now right like it's it's, mm -hmm. it's not like he's don't mean that to be like really mean or anything but like that it's it's just not he's just not where he was before right yeah um, and i think that's kind of like you know probably one of the issues that maybe he had and like you know what i was having was like I just, I just didn't really know what I was doing. Like, what was it? What, what, what really am I trying here? You know? And, um, I think when you get too comfortable in the same mold and in the same methodology, it can like result in stagnation. And I think it's always good to try and experiment and try new things and keep, keep practicing like different styles of content and stuff like that. And <laughs> at least for now, like this is where I'm at and this is what's working for me. And <laughs> Maybe in a few more months, I'll have another uh, identity crisis. <laughs> maybe, <laughs> I don't, maybe I'll become like a black wing replay channel or something. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> so now that you've, uh, you know, kind of grown into Farfa, we've, we've seen, 
you out there like publicly like associated with Konami as well because we've seen you you've done the European uh, remote dual invitational you've also commented for uh, YCS Milan and uh, you know you, and then you got to be part of the uh, commentate for the grand champion the grand tournament KC grand tournament my apologies for for duelings as well so um, how did you uh, get into that kind of line of work? Um, I don't think it was, uh, like a particular process, really. It was just sort of, um, you know, they, so like different Konami branches have like different, you know, places around Europe and stuff. And, you know, the UK people wanted to like, you know, try out like, uh, what's the word? Um, like basically just the community outreach, right? Like they wanted to like, you know, test the waters and try because, like, you know, it's something that's been done for like years now where content creators um, can, you know, do promotional or early style of like reveals and stuff for their mm -hmm. respective games. Like Blizzard has been doing it with Hearthstone for a while. I'm pretty sure Magic has like a bunch of stuff with content creators. So like, you know, I guess it was just time for like Konami mm -hmm. uh, last year, early last year, maybe even the year before that. Um, They just, you know, started trying out like, okay, all right, we can invite you guys over, you know, have like a little one-on-one -on -one sort of like, you know, meet and greet and then like, you know, okay, here's a little, here's some product, you know, you guys can like use this on your channel and then it slowly developed into like, okay, well, here's like an early reveal. You guys can, uh, you know, try, uh, you know, show this um, to the world first, uh, you know, through you guys and, um, you know, eventually like I really wanted to push for like getting more involved with like the competitive side as well and uh, they, they gave me a chance to commentate. Um I know. I thought it went really well. I thought it was really fun, and uh, you know, something I wanted to keep doing. Um, but unfortunately, with the world that it is that way at the moment, uh, you know, there's no events, so there's nothing really to commentate right now. But yep. you know, um, yeah, I think it was just like a sort of gradual, slow, natural transition from like you know that sort of content creator um, and game relationship that just kind of like became, you know, you can, you guys can do like early reveals, you guys can like release information. Um, you know, and I wanted to go a little bit further and I just wanted to like, you know, get involved with the competitive side. And the, the, I think event coverage was probably the best way to uh, get involved, just like as a sort of side freelance thing, whenever they like needed the team or whatever, like I was always you know, more than happy to like, uh, go out and, you know, do what I love, which is like going to YCS, but you know, not actually having to play the Yu-Gi-Oh! Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> ah. oh. Yeah, because that's a completely different uh, experience that not a lot of people really get to get to have. Like for, for myself, I'm also a sports broadcaster myself, so I'll be able to call games. I called like a mini series, a, a mini Cash Yu-Gi-Oh series once, uh, well that we had in Toronto, like in, in here in Canada. How was the experience for you that you got to be a commentator for a YCS? I guess it's just really interesting to see like the amount of work and effort that goes on behind the scenes to actually run a YCS because like it seems really like straightforward in your mind when you're a player. It's like, well, yeah, here's some pairings, here's some match slips, yeah, go have fun, you know. But uh, you know, it's like a big like production team and like a process and like you know camera work and like all this like crazy like almost like showbiz style thing like going on behind the scenes and it's you know it was, it was really cool, it was really interesting, um, just seeing like the other side basically mm -hmm. you know what goes into like featuring a match on a ycs right like you think like oh well, it can't be that hard right i mean you just get some guys to sit down play in front of a camera boom there you go but you know it's it's like uh it's like a process and uh it was just really interesting um i had, I had a lot of fun doing it like picking feature matches and um you know g g doing like the the it because it, it doesn't really it doesn't feel like a job at all like you know when you're out there like commentating and stuff it does not feel like, like i'm literally there doing what i would 
like do anyway, regardless, right? It's just, you know, I just have to be like, you know, doing it in front of a camera, right? Like talking about the game, like, okay, this is what happened. This is what you did. This is what, uh, what you played. And then what, what, uh, you know, the, what do you think of the match that you just played? Like, you know, it's, it's kind of like the natural discussions you have with your friends at a YCS, except, you know, I guess it's a little bit more professionalized and, the, and just in front of a camera, right? So it just feels really natural, you know, it's really fun. And what uh, what other work kind of goes behind the scenes that you, the audience wouldn't see that you would do there? Uh, I don't know. Kind of, I have no idea, dude. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't want to go too much into details, obviously. Yeah, that's uh, that's fair. It might be that might be confidential. We know Konami might be a little bit of us might might hit you for that. And I don't it's, want to get in it's, trouble. It's it's it's. I mean, I, I basically mentioned everything, right? Like you have your production team, you have like your your matches that you pick, and um, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just about like putting on a show, right? So yeah, is something you'd want to do again, uh, given the opportunity? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I was uh, I was going to do the European Championship, and then not, there was no European Championship, so yeah. <laughs> you know. So I guess hopefully we'll uh, try it out in a few more months or something, whenever mm-hmm. events start up again. Well, you you did get to do the uh, you could commentate for the uh, KC Grand Tournament for for dual weeks not not too long ago, and yeah, uh, I'm guessing that was it had to be a different experience from doing Milan. How was that experience? Yeah, it was it was interesting because like it, it wasn't online. Uh, sorry, it wasn't in person. It was uh, an online event, and you know it's Duel Links, so it's like basically a different game. Um, and I, you know, I do play like a decent amount of Duel Links. Um, definitely not as into it as I am in the TCG, but you know, I like had like a very like decent grasp of the meta. I think I like made like pretty good calls and stuff. And the feedback that I saw in like various like Discord communities and stuff was like pretty good, and people enjoyed watching and they had a good time like listening to the commentary. So like it was it was great. Um, it didn't feel that much different at all from what I usually do. Cause like when I stream every day, like, you know, I will sometimes just like watch a duel on like, you know, online. And I'll just watch the duel and I'll just like commentate through it. And, you know, every, every so often you have like various events and stuff that go on, like the LCSs and things like that. And, you know, I'll watch those and I'll like, you know, just um, enjoy it. And, you know, it doesn't feel that different. Right. Like mm-hmm. you watching a, uh, watching a Yu-Gi-Oh game and doing what I normally do. Mm-hmm. And did uh, Konami like just kind of cordially invite you to to basically like, bro- help uh, commentate and broadcast that? Uh, I was asked to uh, help out. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, pretty and, as simple as it gets. Yeah, just you know, yeah. do you want do you want to do this? And I was like, yeah. okay. <laughs> and then you've been on the other side of it too, because you, uh, I think, a couple months ago, you participated in the the European uh, Remote Duel Invitational. Yeah, that was uh, that was that was like really different because that was the first time I'd ever really properly had a remote duel. I think like the day before, the day before that, I did like a day or two of like remote duel. Uh, what's the word? Um, uh, streams and stuff, and it was uh, it was really funny because uh, like you know that's we laughed about it ten years ago with like Skype dealing, but it's actually become like the kind of staple right now. <laughs> yeah, um, you know, so it was like you know I'm not like that tech savvy and stuff as a content creator i like like i said earlier i just kind of like i enjoyed like the writing process and stuff of like of the of the content creation rather than like the actual technical side of like editing and stuff like that so like trying to like make like a good setup and like getting the perfect angles and cropping exactly and running the life points simultaneously alongside everything and like it was a it was kind of you know it was a it was a challenge but you know i got there in the end and then obviously like when i had to play like in the invitational thing i mean that was it was pretty simple because, you know, I don't actually need to do any of the technical stuff. You just play Yu-Gi-Oh there. Uh, I did yeah. manage to, like, uh, you know, 
completely mess up like oh my god like, I, I don't know i think i have like really cursed feature matches um because uh when i was playing i i uh, i managed to foolish burial uh block dragon under herald um yeah. oh. instead so i played out an entire turn and then it was caught that wait a minute you foolished under herald so i had to so i checked the vod i went all the way back rewound everything um, and then brought it back to the original game state, and then it's, you know, it took like ten minutes of like a break on stream to like I fix the game state. And it's like I don't know, I, I'm such an idiot. Oh. I'm such a, I am actually such a moron. Um, but you know that 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 was about it. It was a, I think other other than that, it was a pretty smooth event. Did you make it? Uh, did you do that in top eight? Because I'm, I think that's when you got eliminated in, in the events. I, I don't, you see, you say top eight, and that sounds insane, but I only think there was like sixteen players. So, um, <laughs> no, I think that was the top sixteen game. No, yeah, I, I messed up and did all this dumb stuff in top sixteen, yeah. and then like rewound it, and then I, and I still, I still managed to win that game. And then the next mm -hmm. game was like top eight was, uh, yeah, I think I ended on like Savage Buster Lock and like something else. Um, but I didn't play around him hard drawing Tackle Crusader. So he just crashed Tackle Crusader into Savage Dragon, bounced Buster, and then played in main phase two. Uh, so I could have played around it by just summoning the Savage in defense. Um, and then I was eliminated, Sag. Uh, so when, when you played that uh, Remote Duel Invitational, was that like a fairly good like, substitute to playing in real life? Because I, I know you also play, play a bunch of large events as well. Mm. I mean, for where we're at right now, remote duels like isn't it wasn't that bad. Like to be honest, like it was it was actually like kind of fine. Like it it actually felt like good in some respects, right? Because like if you know you're a YCS and you're tired or whatever in between rounds, like like if you play like a big remote duel event like all day, you know you're gonna get like really um you you can do what you want, right? You can go to the kitchen, get a snack, you can lie down, you can go watch TV for like a, like you know 10, 15 minutes in between rounds. Like you can just chill, right? But at a YCS, it's like it's uh, I feel like it's a it's a it's a little bit more draining at a YCS. Um, I, I don't know how other people are. Like some people are just really social, but for me, sometimes like um I I, I at like big events, I just I just want to get away from everyone. You know, I just need to be by myself and just like you know that's kind of how I am sometimes as a person. I I just need to be alone and breathe and just not have to deal with the constant like you know noise and hustle and bustle and social interactions so like you know when you have like a big remote deal event it, it was actually kind of you know refreshing to be able to just kind of literally just take a step back and chill like in between rounds if i needed to yeah because it's that's a big thing for like when you go like to ycs or not is like the amount of breaks that you may or may not be able to get because you know the ycs has to run uh, as fast as they can because we all know it's a long event and a, and a lot of people go without food throughout the entire day so it's you know it's a big advantage that you can just kind of walk to your fridge after you're done grab a snack and go back and kind of like recharge yourself and I, th I think that's a good point that you made as well this is you know at least being able to give yourself some time to breathe after after a duel yeah yeah it's just something that like you can really struggle with at a big event and like people um I, i've asked like so many times over the years like yeah what's like one tip and one piece of advice you'd give for like my first ever YCS. And like, I've said like the same tip every single time. And it's like, like how you play your deck and your deck build and like all that, like that do not, it does is completely irrelevant. Like who cares, right? You biggest advice I'd give is like, get a big back, a big breakfast before you go out and make sure mm -hmm. you take something with you to eat for lunch. Cause it's so draining. Like really, really like if you have like day one, which is like seven rounds, 
and uh, you're having like 40 minute gaps in between each round like you, it's like a 11 10 hour day or something it's it's really draining um so like you need to really like stay like hydrate drink your water gamers um etc you know what i mean like because uh, that's what I thought. Even my first regional, never mind like why I said my first regional ever. I noticed I was like, oh, oh like I'm, I'm dying here. Like I, I need to get like food, yeah. and I didn't really like properly like get a good night's sleep the night before. So it was just, uh, it was awful, you know. So I activated Wolf Bark and special summon the monster after activating Pot of Duality. But you know, like, oh, ouch. what can I say, dudes? Uh, I, uh, I didn't get enough sleep. All right, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Health is definitely a big concern because I've had a lot of people like going through a regional YCS say, okay, just kind of quit because like they're so drained, they're so drained like by food nutritionally, like they don't have any food them or they're just tired, like because they didn't get enough sleep. And, you know, it, and, and it does kind of reflect your gameplay a little bit. Some people have to run on fumes. So yeah, I would say maintaining health is a, definitely a, a big thing, like a, like a mental aspect. It's kind of like golf. You know, you got to be there mentally as well because that's majority of the game is mental. And that's also a big thing for Yu-Gi-Oh! is like your mental condition and, you know, being able to fight through everything just to, just to play a good game. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like you just got to – it's not just about like your deck and playing it well. You know, you got to be good on the day mm -hmm. on a personal level. Yeah, De definitely that. But, you know – I know you've played a lot of big events, but you've also come over to, to North America to play uh, several events as well. Just the one. You Can you, uh, just, just the, the one? one? Yeah, YCS uh, yeah. Uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, one of those. Yeah, for, for, yeah it's, uh, Dallas. Uh, uh, I think it was Fort Worth, Texas, I believe. Yeah, that one. Uh, or it could be Dallas, yeah. Uh, so how is it? Uh, is, is there like a, a continental difference from playing in uh, Europe compared to when you had your experience in North America? Well, I didn't really have much of an experience because I – played ba and i suck so like you know i was out by like round four so i didn't really get like a good gauge of the event um but <laughs> it was uh i don't know no i i really enjoyed america like american people are like so much more bubbly and like social and you know like whereas europeans are like very sort of uh you know i guess a little bit more serious a little bit more t like you know basically a ycs right you sit down you play against the german they're just like you know Hello, yes, okay, activate the card, yeah. And then you play against an American, it's like, hey, buddy, uh, I got an Ash Blossom here for you. <laughs> you know, and like, it's it's it just, it's more f like, more an entertaining experience, I think, playing in America. It was, it was really funny. Um, I, had a I had a great time. Um, the reason I even went over in the first place, because I have family uh, in Texas. So I was like, okay, well, I'll, I'll see my family and I'll go and like meet, you know, all these hundreds of people literally that I've made friends with over the course of like YouTube. Like, you know, uh, I stayed with a DZ from Gage uh, mm -hmm. nice. together for dinner with like Simo and Team Sam. And like, you know, so we had like a big like, you know, experience like networking in one way, but meeting friends that you had never seen before, even like, you know, outside of YouTube, like just a bunch of people I'd like gotten friends with uh, online, people mm -hmm. from uh, the subscribers from Twitch and stuff, meeting them for the first time. Like it, that, you know, that's what, uh, that's what it was all about. And yeah, I had a great time. Like, honestly, I think I enjoyed like YCS, like Fort Worth, m almost more than like any uh, YCS I'd been to in Europe. Oh, wow. And did you do anything else while you were in uh, the United States when you came over to for YCS? Well, I, I held an assault rifle. So that was, you know, as American as it gets and as Texan as it gets. Uh, 
Yeah, I, I've seen I've seen that photo before. So I didn't know that was in Texas. So that uh, <laughs> yeah, was, that, that makes a lot of I, sense. I had landed like three hours before, and I already had like firearms in my hand. So it's like, yep, definitely in America. Wow. <laughs> yeah, the, the the gun laws in in Canada are a lot more strict. It's a lot harder to get a firearm as opposed to the states. So I, I personally never held a firearm before myself. So uh, you're one step above me in that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it was a it was an experience. Simo wanted to take me to the range, um, but we just never had time, sadly. Oh, really? Gee, I I never uh, envisioned Simo uh, going to the range oh, yeah. before. Simo's a real defender of the Constitution. Yeah, you heard it here. Who's whose rifle was that? Oh, that was like my uncle's or no, my aunt's. No, no. What what am I talking about? My my cousin's husband. Yeah. Okay, so it was a it was a family member's uh, well, no, firearm. Yeah, as no, opposed... yes. no, no, don't worry. I, I was I was hoping that that wasn't the case. <laughs> no, it wasn't at the Winamat. No. <laughs> I mean, that'd be a pretty easy way to win a mat if uh, you you took that along. Hell yeah, brother. <laughs> so how's so you know a lot of people here probably listening in um, probably don't know how YCS is in in Europe. Um, you know, how is OYCS in Europe compared to, so you say, your experience that you had in North America, aside from like the examples that you've already given? Honestly, like, it's it's pretty, much, pretty much the same thing, I felt like. It wasn't really that much different at all, other than like socially and culturally, I guess. Um, I mean, like one, one thing that I noticed that's like particularly like a big difference between NA and EU is that in, uh, in NA, you're allowed to pre-reg without your deck list. So that on the Saturday morning, you can literally just show up and just throw your deck list into a box and that's it. Whereas in Europe, you yep. cannot pre-reg without your deck list, which is really annoying for people who take the game seriously because they, you know, mm-hmm. typically like you arrive like Thursday night or Friday morning, you know, you want to like meet with all your teammates and, um, you know, just various like networking you've done online to coordinate mm-hmm. your deck lists and, you know, figure out your tax and even just freaking which list you're going to play in the first place. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, like that's something you might not decide till like Saturday night, uh, sorry, Friday night. Um, and then when you have things recently, it's, I mean, it's a great problem to have uh, where there's just been way too many people at a YCS that, you know, they physically can't accommodate for that many entrants. Like at YCS London, people mm-hmm. literally had to be turned away. YCS Dusseldorf, people were turned away uh, because there's just too many people entering, you know? So like when you can't pre-reg in situations like that, it's uh, it's really bad. Um you know, so like, so, no, so, you know, so in America, it was like really seamless and easy. Like you just, like I arrived like Thursday, pre-reg, easy, Saturday, okay, practice a little bit with my friends in, in the hotel, like the night before. All right, I think this list seems good. Uh-huh. And then you write out the list and you just throw it in on Saturday morning and that's it. Whereas, uh, you know, you just can't, you just can't do that in EU unless you risk like, you know, a three hour queue and then getting turned away. Mm-hmm. Well, in, in, you know, in, in, geographically europe has so many like cu- countries kind of like congested into into one area as opposed to north america you've got you've got like canada you have the united states and you have mexico like encompassing like one entire continent and you know there's not all diversity in languages as opposed to europe uh, do you have like a like a language barrier in europe like i because i know that you know a lot of people can speak english in europe because you know they they learn several languages because they're so close in proximity but do you ever like come across language barriers when you're when you're playing um i've personally never had any issues and i feel like most people our age kind of like um in europe have like a decent grasp of uh english like even um even like the italians 
and French players who, uh, you know, typically don't always learn English as well as like the other European nations. Like Yu-Gi-Oh is mm -hmm. a pretty international game. If you're going to a YCS, like you probably know the cards you're playing with, you know, uh, just simple like mm -hmm. pointing and like no and yes, like is enough to like really get through a game without problems. Um, you know, there, there, you will get occasionally, I'll, I'll say, I'll say occasionally, it's probably every event. It's, it's, it's kind of frequent. You'll have like some player from a specific country say like, no, sorry, you did. I didn't say yes. And then no, but you declare no, like you just, and you know, I didn't understand you and all this bullshit. And, you know, so you have to like, mm -hmm. you know, get a judge involved and blah, blah, blah. And then, yeah, like, you, so, you know, a lot of people will fall back on the language barrier um sometimes to like try and take back misplays or something like that right and um mm -hmm. that's just something that isn't going to happen in america right like at all like that there, yeah. if there's a communication breakdown in america like it's almost always easy to like find the culprit and whose fault it was um whereas in europe like if you end up with like a french versus italian player <laughs> good luck with that judge call buddy <laughs> <laughs> And I, I think it's a really good point that you made because, again, there's uh, – well, Canada, at least, we have, like, one little section, a province. It's called Quebec, and that's where a lot of, like, the, the French uh, kind of settled in Canada. So we – so if ever I go to Quebec and play any events, there's – sometimes you can get a bit of a language barrier myself. So I've had an experience or two like that, but usually in the end it doesn't – it's not too bad because I can speak a little bit myself and at least – enough to get by at least – play a game of Yu-Gi-Oh, but uh, I've I've only played, like, one other person who couldn't speak any English at all, and uh, other than that, it's it's definitely a surreal experience to kind of have to, you know, communicate with a little bit more with your hands and everything like that. I don't know if you've had any experiences playing with any players who can't speak English at all. Yeah, I, so I lived in Germany for uh, a few months when I was um, studying uh, for, like, my third year or something a few years ago, and I remember I went to a locals, and I was playing against, like, one or two German players who, like, actually just didn't speak English. Um, and it was like fine uh like it, so you know assuming like both players like know the game and understand like very basic rulings like it's like it's 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 fine like honestly like you just you, you point you say effect yes no these are all just simple like think like these are all really just sort of like international things that people kind of just understand like across you know people who play Yu-Gi-Oh, regardless of their language barrier um it, it only gets complicated when i tried to summon a necros of uh trishula and then he changed the effect of Steel Swarm Roach. You know, at that point, it's like, bro, I don't have the German. <laughs> yep. I don't have the German skills to explain why that doesn't work. Yep. <laughs> That's when it becomes problematic. Yeah, the, that I can understand because you know, if, if you're reading English as a as a second language, you know, you assume that it works for all special summons as opposed to, you know, only inherent special summons that don't use the chain. And that, that's, I'm, I'm sure that it gets a little messy at there at that point for you. Yeah. So, you know, I had to like call someone over and have him explain in German, like why you can't, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Rocha ritual summon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, you know, it was really yeah. funny. I knew exactly where it was going. You know, like I can't, I can't remember what, was it, what he was playing. Was he even playing? I don't know. He, he, some kind of weird, like rank four deck. Right. So yeah. I'm going second with Necros, and turn one, game two or game three, so he knows I'm playing Necros. Turn one, he summons Steel Swarm Roach, and I just, like, sigh into my hand, and then I th I think, like, I know exactly where this is going. <laughs> like, I know <laughs> I know what's going to happen here. I'm going to Retro Summon. He's going to Solemn Warning, or think he's Solemn Warning. It. Uh, mm -hmm. It's not going to work. But, yeah. No. <clears throat> And then how, how's the how's the dueling scene in uh, in, in Scotland? Um, 
like I feel like it peaked in like late 2013, 2014. At least like that's kind of when I started. And you know, there was like a thriving local scene. Like every week, I'd go play against like the good like couple of players and stuff like that. Um, and you know, they really helped me like improve at the game and get better and and stuff. And I think like around about 2017, 2018, it was really rough. Like the the local scene actually just died. Like genuinely, it was oh. it just freaking died. And that was probably because of the fact that it was like pendulum FTK firewall danger format, and that was just awful. Um, at least, at least for me. Like some people obviously loved it, but you know, uh, for me personally, that that year, like link summoning as well, like Master of Four, that kind of era, like actually killed my locals. Um, all the mm -hmm. all the players. Uh, that really, you know, I'd still like to, until this day, consider my friends. Like, they weren't just like people I played Yu Gi Oh with. These were people that I actually made like real meaningful friendships with. Uh, they just mm -hmm. quit. Like, they just, they just kept, they just stopped playing. Like, Master of Four, like, actually just killed the game um, for them um, and for, for me locally, oh. which is ironic because like 2018 was uh, the biggest uh, year for Yu Gi Oh. Like, every single event was breaking a record. Like, you know, biggest NEWCQ ever, biggest EU WCQ uh, ever. Biggest YCS in Italy, biggest YCS in uh, Germany ever, et cetera, et cetera. You know, this record after record was being broken. Um, but yet, at least, you know, on, on the other side of that spectrum in Scotland, like for me, like my own local scene was just dying. Um, so it was really yep. a strange sort of paradox that was going on there, um, which is a shame. But, you know, it's there, there was a bit of a resurgence in like 2019, I think, when like Salomon Great and Orcus was this thing, because they were kind of like, cheap to obtain like they weren't really super expensive decks to get a hold of and um you know kind of like some new blood came in um sadly the same players that i used to play with just haven't come back you know which is a shame but, yep uh you know a bunch of new players and stuff have come in in scotland and you know a couple of them actually kind of pretty decent and you know there's like some kind of an existence of a local scene and then co and then COVID happened so i don't even know what's going on anymore <laughs> like, like i don't even know did <laughs> Um, I have not been to a locals and I, I don't even know that. I don't even think I've technically played a local this year. It's really depressing. Oh, really? Ouch. Yeah. Like, cause for it, the, the lockdown and quarantine happened in North America, roughly around mid March. And I've, I played locals at least in the first two months for sure. Mm -hmm. Like I, I, like I was fresh off an OTS championship win. And then all of a sudden we, we went into lockdown like the following week. So I'm like, I'm, I'm glad I was able to get that last. I came out on a high when I stopped, but I haven't been able to play like a competitive uh, match since then, at least officially. Anyway, I played made some casuals with friends, but I barely picked up any cards uh, during the whole pandemic. And, and even to this day, I've, I have my, I just got a new deck together, but uh, I've barely been able to test it just because, you know, where I'm trying to take the quarantine a little bit serious and I don't play a lot online. So I, I don't know how it's been for you um, in, in Europe when, as regards to the pandemic. I, I keep hearing rumors that Sweden is doing really well with it, but uh, I, I don't know how it is for you, how the pandemic life is for you when it comes to Yu-Gi-Oh in uh, in Scotland. Yeah, so I mean, every country has taken their own policies and stuff, but at least in you know somewhere like Sweden, which you know I'm kind of aware of, is you know because that's where my like my wife's from. Um, they they didn't have a a lockdown. <laughs> they ignored it yep. basically. Like they shut down the universities, um, to, and they had like online classes. And I think mm -hmm. they closed maybe maybe the schools. I don't even think they closed the schools, but at least like the universities were closed. Um, mm -hmm. And they've been online classes for a while now, but they actually just straight up ignored it. Um, the UK was a little bit slow uh, to the party. And then we went into lockdown for like two months. And then we came back like a few weeks ago and everything was kind of going fine. 
and then like there's a second spike you know so it's like an actual second wave like we had like our worst day ever like three days ago or something so we're, oh, we're really going back into like restrictions and stuff. it's so dumb um so I, I have no idea what like the plan is with locals now um there was a there was a local tournament that was about to happen two or three weeks uh, two or three sundays ago and i was actually gonna go because i just i finally put together my dragon deck in real life that i've been uh, building and uh looks like yeah i don't think i'm gonna be able to like played any kind of local for this foreseeable future at least here so I, I i just don't know um i invested in like a ton of uh i spent so much money the other day on camera i bought a new desk which is sitting behind me right now uh so i'm gonna try build like a semi good remote duel setup because there's a lot of remote duel tournaments happening at least in the u.s so i'm gonna just take full advantage of having real life cards as much as i can and try and uh, get some remote duel stuff going on Yep, just just you might have to be prepared to maybe stay up a little bit later than usual, considering you know we're roughly five year, five hours ahead of you. So I hope uh, hope you got like an energy drink or something to kind of keep you awake. Yep, <laughs> that is true. <laughs> so did you now? I know like you're from Ireland, and you know that's an and it's an actual island for people who may not be good with their geography. But um, you know, in European traveling is is really easy to get from country to country. Um, for you, do you ever like travel to like anywhere else around Europe to play, like, um, even just like region, even just region? We'll say regionals at, at the least UK at that level. Uh, well, I mean, you can. I mean, you are really close to the UK, but uh, but just anywhere in general in in Europe, would you like travel for a regional? Oh, um, no, I don't think I've ever traveled for a, a regional outside of like the UK. Uh, okay. I know, like uh, one or two of my friends did because they were doing the world's race, so they were going to big regionals around um, quite often. Uh, there's like a couple of regionals uh, per year that you like know which ones. I think like y uh, YCS. I think like the the Cologne regional in Germany always has like a few hundred. Berlin maybe as well. I don't know if they get a regional. Um, so there's like a couple around Europe that you know will be like big. Um, it's really it's so much more easier for people in like uh, sort of northwest Europe, like uh, people in like West Germany uh luxembourg belgium netherlands like there's always the, there's like this cluster of like regionals that they can just travel in between quite easily and quite freely because open borders um mm -hmm. uh, but for me nah, I, I think like I, I traveled to like an a london regional like a few years ago like took like a, a eight hour night coach the night before or something and like that was about it um but no nah, i don't really travel far for regionals definitely not regionals no where are you located in uh in, in ireland I'm from Scotland, not Ireland. Oh, from Scotland. Sorry, my bad. I'm sorry. Where, where are you from Scotland? I'm sorry. Glasgow. Hence the name Gl Glasgow. Oh, oh, you are, okay, so you're from Glasgow. Okay. Is that where uh, majority of your regionals are kind of, kind of set up for you? Uh, th that's where the majority of the Scottish regionals are. Um, yeah, they're in Glasgow. Uh, there's like three per year, maybe sometimes four per year. And then like there's one in like Edinburgh and uh, there's, there's like another one nearby. Yeah, like all the Scottish regionals are basically within like an hour. Uh, of where i am which is really good um but yeah like england i mean they're all kind of spread out ar around the place and the european union like uh yeah i mean they have they have their own thing going oh yeah yes because because uh how like how far are you away from uh from the glasgow's not too far off and like you're like pretty much almost attached to the hip if i recall correctly glasgow is in the uk did <laughs> Oh, see, I keep see, see. This is this is where my, my education system failed. Me. <laughs> and the education did. <laughs> Jesus, I, I said Ireland several times. I'm like, wait, it's Scottish. Dave, Dave, you're an idiot. Oh my god. 
<laughs> yeah, it's the United Kingdom, which consists of Scotland, England, and uh, Wales and Northern Ireland. And then uh, Ireland uh, is a separate uh, entity, not part of the union. Yeah, I've, I've completely failed in myself in my uh, <laughs> in my geography here. So th- there you go. You heard it here first. That's my. This is probably my biggest goof I've ever done here on my podcast. <laughs> and, uh, and of course, it, it had to be with my European geography. And of course, dang, it's not my weakness too. Science is my weakness. But nonetheless, though, at least like, at least like you're around like a lot of uh, like big places around that because Edinburgh is not too far off from Glasgow as well. And, no, and I, I don't know how far it is. I don't know how far it is from you uh, from Glasgow to London. Yeah, so that's when I took like a eight hour coach thing a few years ago. Um, oh, so yeah, you're looking at like you know six hour drive by like car, like you know seven or eight on a coach. Um, okay. Yeah, pretty far. Um, well, I mean it's it it's far for like you know what we consider far, but I know like you know in America, like people will say like, oh yeah, let's drive seven hours to like a regional, and that's like mm-hmm. normal, like that's just like a regular Saturday afternoon or something in America. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like that's like a big event. Like if you're traveling that far over here, you know. Yeah, I, I, and, and uh, I, I don't kind of envy you on that regard because um, I, I live an hour and a half away from Toronto, which is the the biggest city in Canada. So I have that privilege of not having to take a too too far of a drive to get there. And of course, I get to see like as you said, those big names like Triff, uh, Jesse Cotton as well. I get to and Team Samurai X. I get to see them every regional I go to, mm-hmm. and. And like as you said, seven eight hours. That's typically a drive for me just to go to like a YCS, and that includes like the northeastern United States for me if I want to go to that event. So I definitely do not uh, don't envy you on that regard. But I have friends who live in like different parts of Canada that have to that have the same problem as you in a sense that they have to travel. I don't know how big it is a grind for you to have to give yourself the mental capacity to be able to like go that far for regionals. But uh, I, I don't know if I can go seven, eight hours just to travel for a regional. Yeah. It's, it doesn't really feel worth it. Um, my, uh, um, I, I, I drove down to a regional in like a place called Carlisle recently, which is only like two, three hour drive. And even that, like, mm-hmm. I felt like, bruh, like this is exhausting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that's just completely normal for like Americans. Like you, you guys do that for a local. Never mind the regional. I mean, I've traveled like an, I've traveled to Toronto before, just for even just for locals. But uh, yeah, just the, that amount of time for just traveling for like such a small event. You know, I don't. Uh, I, I, again, it's like that's got to be hard. Like I, I couldn't do that. Even, as much as I love the game, like I couldn't travel that long for such such a small local like that. Unless I just happen to be in the area for a different reason. Mm, fair. Which is like that. So, move, moving on to another one. You uh, recently got to test the, the Yu-Gi-Oh! Omega program right now, which is right now kind of like being anticipated as another way to play Yu-Gi-Oh! And I'm pretty sure that you were a part of that testing. Uh, is that correct? Yeah, I uh, did like... Uh, the, the, they finally let us uh, stream um, Omega for the first time, which was uh, it was a really, really good process. Um I'm really excited for Yu-Gi-Oh! Mega. I think like uh, the game's really missing a competitive ranked um, online way to play uh, outside mm-hmm. of Dueling Book because like Dueling Book is just like uh, a lot of people just really don't like having to deal with like you know people who just actually just don't know what a normal summon is and judge calls and like all this kind of nonsense um, you know and like a bunch of like rulings and stuff that might occur that both players would miss you know it's not really something that will happen on an automatic simulator so you know I remember like the uh, earlier days of uh, what was it like dev pro um, yep 
wide jumping <laughs> Percy with like uh, or a checkmate as the rank server. Like, those are really good. Like, pretty pretty uh, competitive. Um, and from what I understand, they had like a lot of concurrent players uh, on those systems. So I'm really looking forward to Omega being like the next big like uh similar to like rankon you know I'm, I'm super excited for it to be released they're just working on on uh fixing all the bugs and um ironing out any sort of like issues like that with like rulings and um small stuff like that there's also the uh i think they're really trying to get what's it called tournament mode done before they release it which oh, really? I think is gonna be huge like i I'm, I'm i'm can't wait to see how that works uh you know like being able to just like invite like a pool of players because it's all integrated with your discord which is like crazy like it's so cool to have like your discord like actually track your statistics and like um stats as a player yep. uh, it's really awesome so like having like a bunch of people just integrated into like one system and then entered into a pool for like a tournament uh, yeah i just got so much potential like i'm really excited for it like really really mm -hmm. excited and uh, you said it was automated right is yeah, yeah. Um, they also have a manual mode. Yeah, so they're actually working on like oh. a, a physically, like a, a one where you actually physically put the cards wherever you want and stuff. I mean, I I feel like I that's I have no interest in that. I think like it's a little bit what's the word, uh, just unnecessary because like I feel like dueling book. Like if you want to play like a manual simulator, like you just play dueling book. It's like yeah. that's like the niche I see. But you know that if you really want, um, you have like the manual mode as well, which is coming on Omega. Um, but for me personally, like I primarily see it as like what I want to play as the, uh, you know, the automatic simulator, you know, so I'm really mm -hmm. excited for it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, what, how does this one, uh, aside from what you mentioned, are there any other differences that kind of separate the, like Omega from like all, all the different uh, Yu-Gi-Oh simulators that we have around? Like this, and this includes like the video games as well, because they're technically a simulator too. Oh, uh, like from the official video games. I mean, I, I think it, um, I'm pretty sure they run off of like the same base code. Um, I, I don't know like too much about the intricacies and the ins and outs and the details of Omega, but I, I think I, I think they basically are like essentially like the same game. Um, like they, they work off of like the same like you know physical like structure um, as the video games, uh, which is why you have like a couple of issues with rulings and stuff in because uh, the, they the, you know the video games all use like OCG OCG uh, rules. Oh, okay. That I did not know. That's that was, yeah. That's good to know, actually. So you, when it comes to like you know a really important thing is like hand trigger location is uh, works differently on Omega. Mm -hmm. um, so in the TCG, for example, if you summon like Needle Fiber, uh, you can go chain link one Needle Fiber, chain link two, uh, Kwaki Meru Recruiter, whatever it's called. So you mm -hmm. you know essentially you can chain block your Needle Fiber so they can't like gamma it. Uh, whereas in the OCG. Um, when you activate needle fiber, it passes priority for them to be able to gamma you. Um, you don't get priority to activate that monster in your hand. Uh, oh, wow. Chain block as a trigger effect, it counts as a quick effect. Mm -hmm. uh, so that's like a really huge difference that I think will dissuade a lot of like really super um, competitive players from like grinding on something like Omega. Mm -hmm. But you know, that's just like an OCG TCG difference. And uh, I think like the last time I spoke to them, they they did actually say they were they were trying to. It won't be soon. Uh, but they are because like it like you know that's like inside like the very base root code it's not like a simple card script um mm -hmm. that's like in like embedded in like the actual you know i don't know the computer language the the, the bottom of the fucking uh pole okay like there's the that's it's deep <laughs> underwater somewhere <laughs> in the codes for like fixing the uh um like the how the triggers work there but yeah i think like mm -hmm. they did say something potentially about uh trying to bring that into 
uh, in line with TCG at some point in the future. Uh, what platform were you playing? Uh, were you testing Omega on? Uh, just PC. I think it's only available on PC right now. I'm not sure if there's going to be a mobile um, thing. I, I don't even think it's it works on Mac right now. Maybe I'm not sure. I think. Okay. But yeah, for oh, now okay. it's PC. Yeah, I don't know if there is any other way to play it. Mm -hmm. And uh, how, how did you come about being able to like to test the beta? Um, I think, uh, I mean, I've always been really involved with, uh, talking to one of the guys who's like, I get one of like the, the reps, I suppose, um, anti-metaman, you know, we've always like talked, um, just in general about like, you know, simulators and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, whenever, uh, they announced that they were having Omega, like, you know, he was like more than happy to have me, uh, stream it just as soon as, uh, the, you know, they approved that there was going to be like, you know, a certain day and certain time that everyone could like stream at the same time. Um, you know, cause they really wanted to like, before they let us stream it, they wanted to really iron out everything. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, and I felt like personally, I mean, it's who cares, right? Like it's a, that's why it's a beta, right? It doesn't matter if it's broken mm -hmm. or if there's bugs, like that's, that's the whole pur purpose of a beta, but you know, they wanted to make sure that things were like a little bit more stable, uh, before they let us stream it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, when I streamed it, I didn't notice any issues personally. I mean, I had mm -hmm. feedback for like the interface and a couple of things to like, like, I, like for example, right now, the way you import a deck is like kind of convoluted. I really don't like the way you import a deck in Omega. So, you know, they're like doing things to like improve that kind of stuff and just taking on feedback. And, you know, it's really good. Like they're really listening. Um, they really, you know, want to make like a super good product. I think it's basically the same people who made YJO Pro 2. Uh, oh. I don't know how that worked out. I don't think anyone plays YJO Pro 2. Um, <laughs> I don't think so either. Yeah. But yeah, this one's really cool. Um, you have so many options with customiza uh, customization. Um, how you want the, the cards to look, how the artwork works, if you want to use like holograms or not, um, or if you just want to play with like bread and butter, simple top down basic view of the board. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting. Like, I'm really excited. I'm really hyped for it. If, if and when it does come out, uh, is this uh, when you do your streaming with uh, Twitch, is this something you might actually kind of transition over to to try to try out as you stream? Yeah, I think that um, streaming on Dueling Book is um, kind of hard because like, you know, my focus when I stream is like, is always like the community and like my, my chat and people that want to talk to me. Like, so that's like kind of like what I'm trying to focus on, you know? So if I'm like in a really intense duel, um, it's hard to do that at the same time. And then I end up, you know, doing dumb plays like, you know, foolishing under Herald. Uh, so mm -hmm. at least with like YGO Omega and an automatic simulator, it means that mm -hmm. it's automatic, which means I don't need to keep watching my opponent like a hawk, making sure that they aren't doing something illegal while trying to like keep chat entertained and stuff, you know, keep my children uh, occupied, right? So, you know, it just means that I can do, uh, I can focus a little bit more without having to, uh, you know, deal with um, the problems that come with like a, a, a manual simulator, you know? Yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that you're making there that, uh, that it's a lot easier for, if, it's streamer friendly, I guess is the best way to put it because because it's, that's one less thing you have to worry about in that case. And, uh, you know, I, I think that's a really good idea. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because uh, it, it's a good point. And we really haven't had a lot of great uh, Yu-Gi-Oh simulators that were automatic per se. So if, if this thing really takes off, you know, it, this could be really big for you uh, when you're doing your streams. Yeah, it's great for me. Um, but like, you know, I'm, I, I feel like, you know, if I was a player, I would probably not really want to, um, I mean, I, I just, I feel like, you know, if I'm, if I'm just like a bread and butter player and, you know, I just want to like get better at the game and practice and stuff like that. Like, I just, I want to do it because, you know, I want to use Dueling Book because like, that's the closest thing you'll get to, uh, 
what's the word um just a real life interaction you know like mm -hmm. there isn't like a you know if you have a, a, a like something that comes up is like if i have a trigger effect in the graveyard you know if my opponent gamma's my monster and i have mm -hmm. a brotor in the graveyard i can forget that in real life i can forget that yeah. if i'm on yeah. it, right whereas like on something like omega you know it would just be like hey <laughs> you want to use this effect here and i'm like oh yeah sure that's probably a good idea you know yeah. so like I feel like training yourself for like the competitive top tier level of gameplay, uh, dueling books is as good as it gets for online. Yeah, it, it, it kind of reminds me of, uh, and kind of to your kind of relates to you because it's burning your bits. It's like forgetting a Skarm search because you can forget Skarm search if you're playing in real life. Mm -hmm. And I, I've seen games be won and lost because people forgot a Skarm search. But, yep. uh, but you know, with an automatic simulator, it's, it's kind of like a reminder at the end. It's like, hey, do you want to search for Skarm? And it, it <laughs> It, you know, and and that can turn the tide. Uh, it yeah. might uh, it might untrain you a little bit to kind of remember everything when you go to play in real life. But you know, there's advantages and disadvantages to it too. But at least in that sense, it at least kind of force your opponent to to bring their A game because they're not they're being reminded of effects that may not happen around. Because you know, that's a great way to get yourself better. I mean, you can make the argument for any side that. Uh, being able to remember or forget Skarm could make you better or worse. I mean, you can make it, but uh, that's definitely a thing that uh, is a difference between online dueling and like playing in real life as those like as those reminders. Yep, exactly. Um, I just think like the closest real life experience you get is dueling. Yeah. You know, um, but you know, I can completely understand the other side where people don't want to play on something where their opponent is like doesn't know like the basic rules or like. They're, they're constantly like going back and forth and arguing over like minuscule irrelevant issues and you have to get a judge and you know whereas like on an automatic simulator you know you don't have to deal with the uh, social problems that come with Yu-Gi-Oh, right yeah you, you don't and you know that when you're from playing in real life you know that human errors are they happen a lot especially if you go to locals so you know kind of bring it to a different experience on uh Mm -hmm. um, playing on a, an, a digital automatic thing is, is definitely a different experience than playing in real life for sure. I, I, would, I will make that argument every time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, speaking of, uh, of like kind of like weirdly different formats, um, you know, you, you probably have to go back to Dueling Book if you want to do your, uh, your Dragoon Wheel, but uh, you also participated in the Yugi Tuber Grand Championships, like ran by SEMO. You're the current champion, you're a two time winner. And I know that there was a lot of like funky little formats. I think they were doing like the Pegasus format with your in your finals against uh, House of Champs, Jonathan Moore. Uh, how was that whole tournament experience for you, uh, being able to participate in that tournament? Yeah, Simo's uh, Yugi Chipper Grand tournaments are something I look forward to every year, especially having been. I actually I just remembered I'm a finalist three years in a row, and I'm the winner two years in a row. So that's <laughs> uh, that's actually pretty crazy. I don't know. Like I wish I had this kind of record when it came to like real life competitive events. <laughs> but yeah, the uh, the the format switching and stuff and um, was like a really good idea because you know it's a good way to like test your personal deck building skills and test your, uh, you know like just creativity as a player like i remember i played round one i think i so i, I had to learn frog ftk which is like a 2010 deck and yep. 10 i think something i don't know um and i just you know never played that deck before so like learning how to play like that deck was like really interesting um you know because if you think about it like Yu-Gi-Oh has like so much history it's got like 15 years plus of just like this bulk of like from format to format, these intricacies, these little like minor interactions and the, the card pool uh, and the siding and the matchups, like, you know, you, you could, you can pick a format from any of the, like the whole 15 years and you can get invested into it for months. Mm -hmm. It's a great sort of, 
you know, because I've just never played that format, never played that deck. And, you know, uh, going through the opportunity to like learn that for the first time was like pretty, um, it, was, it was pretty fun. Uh, so I really like playing Frog FTK. I don't think it was really fair playing a Frog FTK. <laughs> versus you know someone who just didn't have hand traps because <laughs> he was playing 2007 there isn't really any hand traps except like i think like dd crow was like the only way he, he could have won and um yeah he didn't draw it uh, i can't remember any of the other matchups though but yeah the pegs to challenge stuff was like uh pretty funny um oh yeah I, we did like that charity match me and ruggles in like top four that was mm -hmm. yeah so like people just like donated to charity and then picked our cards in our deck for us that was really fun uh, mm -hmm. i'm trying to think like what else was hilarious oh yeah so like you know when it comes to like deck building and stuff you know you get given this custom format it's really interesting to try and like do something from scratch so like one of the formats was like you know play common only deck it's like well oh, i'm okay uh you can only play cards that have a common printing hmm well i ended up settling on goki which surprisingly has mm -hmm. the entire deck in, in common and summoning two towers turn one is actually broken in a format that just doesn't have anything outside of common rarity because i'm pretty sure you otk'd your your opponent uh i think it was like round one that you played it you otk'd your opponent like right off the bat on, on your first turn oh yeah it wasn't even uh what's the word uh, uh you know a, a game like he, he he set a rocket and passed and then i killed him and then that game two he set a rocket and passed and i killed him like like the yeah. like, it, it's it, if there was a pauper format ban list, like Goki would like be slaughtered on it. Like, oh my god! Like two two warriors is full combo. It's insane. Like this is <laughs> it's crazy. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, that that format got broken in about six hours. Thanks to my stream. And, and going back to Frog FTK, this was uh, the time when Duelist Revolution was just came out. So Effect Veiler came out, but people really wasn't uh, people weren't really accustomed to hand traps during that time. So Effect Veiler wasn't really known until like later on when frog ftk was happening so i don't know if you got hit with an effect veiler at all during that time when you were playing frog ftk no i don't think uh no because like it was like cross format so my opponent was playing 2007 um, oh yeah okay well that's even worse yeah so it was even more unfair you know like i was <laughs> i was playing frog ftk and he had to play like you know d hero or something or j hero or whatever it's called and you know there's literally no hand traps except dd crow i think yeah that was the only way he could win <laughs> yeah when did you start playing Yu-Gi-Oh? um so like i played like the first like time it was released you know so i was like 10 years old or something when the game like first came out and, mm -hmm. and you know i played like with the basic structure decks back back in the day and mm -hmm. uh you know that was uh that was a fad at school right it's not really something you seriously do or seriously play yeah it's like um, it's like pokemon cards way back in the day everyone had them but <clears throat> had no idea how to play them yeah so you know it was like a it was like a fad that just died out um, and then yeah. I like randomly came up uh, to my friends um, we were playing like video games or whatever, like in 2013. And then like, it was really funny because like his desk like moved or some shit and out from behind falls this like stack of Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Like, oh my God, whoa, do you remember this? Like, yeah, Yu-Gi-Oh, this was amazing back in the day. And then we just started like building with this old stack of dusty cards that he had from years ago. And then we like started like looking into the game like wait hang on do people still play this oh my god people do still play this wow okay right and then you know, like we so we develop into like you know trying to find strategies you know so i show up to locals you know skipping a lot of in between details here i show up to locals with uh my uh, agent structure deck and uh, i get right. dragon rulers you know so oh good <laughs> <laughs> that was uh probably my first you know fray into like competitive Yu-Gi-Oh was uh back then 
And I, you've been re- have you remained consistent since up until now playing Yu-Gi-Oh? Yeah, I mean, I made my YouTube channel in like 2014, um, and I started mm-hmm. playing in like very late 2013. And mm-hmm. uh, you know, I guess like even if like the game itself wasn't super keeping me enticed, like YouTube was keeping me somewhat busy, like being interested in like making like a video here or two or discussion on this thing. And uh, yeah, like that was kind of like you know the the birth of uh, you know where I'm at today. And is this something you do like full time now? Just just doing the the YouTube and uh, and the Twitch streaming? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I finished. Uh, I was you know like I said, I was going to be a teacher, and I uh, decided to scrap that because you know it just wasn't really for me. Um, and you know when I came out of grad school, I was like, okay, well YouTube, let's try and do this uh, YouTube thing for a little bit. So you know I did it for like two months, three months, and I was like, okay, I mean I can kind of sustain myself on this. Um, and then I you know just kept going and kept going and kept going and it turned out i never actually had to get a real job i'm out here playing with, uh, sh- you know shiny cardboard uh up until now so it's been pretty good can't uh can't complain you know being able to get up and do whatever i want um in terms of Yu-Gi-Oh is like really really awesome having like the freedom to like choose my own hours choose my own schedule um choose the content that i make choose the content that i do the people i work with really as well like it's it's a real blessing and uh you know it's 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 great yeah, you know, I, I wouldn't trade this for the world. And, uh, how many years were you in uh, into grad school before you decided to stop and just go to full time, uh, just a full time influencer? For I, don't, I, don't, I don't know what it is. Like, I feel like part of me regrets. Like, I should have at least like finished the course and get my qualification. But hey, maybe it wasn't meant to be, right? Because uh, here I am now. I think, um, yeah. So there was like there's three main blocks to studying to become a teacher. Uh, I did the first one. You know, I went out and you know I taught in like two schools and. Uh, did like a semester there or whatever, or like a block mm-hmm. there. Um, passed, mm-hmm. did really well, got actually pretty good grades. Um, mm-hmm. And then, I don't know, just like before the second block started after Christmas, I just just didn't want to. Like I just felt like I didn't have that drive. I didn't have that desire to. And, um, you know, I had like some issues personally with like mental health and stuff. And I just needed a break and uh, you know, decided to uh, pursue, pursue YouTube instead. Mm-hmm. How many hours a day would you say that you invest into like working on your YouTube and Twitch? Like a week? Like um, a typical day starts with like I get up at like ten ish, which is pretty nice. Um, yes, and then I'll, uh, I'll I'll like you know check emails and notifications and things like that. I'll uh, start writing out a script or have some kind of plan in my mind of like a direction I want to take with the video. Um, even if I don't record it that day, you know, at least I've got some like ideas going forward. If I do record, you know, I'll keep going until like 2 PM or something, uh, probably get some breakfast and chill in between. Uh, and then after breakfast, I'll stream until like, uh, seven or eight at night. And that's mm-hmm. usually my typical schedule of my day. So what do you like to do? Like outside of Yu-Gi-Oh! Well, I was uh, really enjoying getting my health um, in check, you know, before Corona, like I was going to the gym every morning. So I'd get up, go to the gym, come home, uh, YouTube, breakfast, Twitch, you know, I had like a really, you know, nice routine like that. And then, uh, you know, Corona happened and, you know, the gyms are back open here like two weeks ago or something. But I just, I honestly like kind of just too scared to go back to tell you the truth. So, uh, yeah, you know, everything's just isolated, you know, me and my wife, like hang out, we go out. For dinner uh we like eating out we like going out for uh traveling i guess but you know that kind of got like shut down as well recently uh, mm-hmm. but yeah just kind of keeping to ourselves 
And yeah, like uh, I play a lot of video games, I guess, outside of, uh, you know, for fun. I play a lot of World of Warcraft, um, which I don't know if you've heard okay. of or I'm sure you have. Wow. Yeah. Nope. Yeah. I'm, yeah. Yep, so, absolutely. I don't play it, but I, I'm, I'm yeah. aware of it. I play. Yeah, I play a lot of that outside, um, you know, and for during my free time. Um, there's uh, Hearthstone. I played a lot of her not like a lot, but like a decent amount of Hearthstone until I stopped like kind of recently. And yep. I used to play a lot of Overwatch, but yeah, mo mostly gaming related. Mostly gaming related. Okay, so, yeah. So you're just a big gamer then. What what kind of uh, what systems do you own then? Uh, I only I only play on PC. Oh, oh you're master only... race. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. Well, nothing wrong. Nothing wrong with that yeah. at all. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, how long have you been married for? Mm. <laughs> oh shit. <laughs> uh, 2016 2016 okay oh it's so roughly about four years now. yeah very very nice very nice <laughs> so, so we got see at least you get you got your kind of life together at this point in time now that you have you have like a wife you have like a full you have to do like Yu-Gi-Oh for a full time which i'm pretty sure is something you you, you could only have imagined of before but now you finally get to do it and uh you know is it safe to say that you're doing pretty well right now because all things considered yeah no complaints like it's been uh you know that you know, as 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 lucky as I am for a lot of people, this probably might have been the worst year of their life. For me, it's been uh yep, you know, almost quite the opposite. Like, you know, breaking records personally on my YouTube, um, hitting two K subs recently on Twitch was like massive as well. Um mm -hmm. it's, it's it's been a really, really good period in time for me. So I feel very lucky to have the people around me in the community that I've got. And, you know, I just genuinely wouldn't be here without them, you know. So I'm always grateful to that. Yeah, because it's the people out there that uh, like really help you like build your brand and get get you up there. So it's yeah, you can't take your your fans or your subs for granted because you know they're the ones that make you. So it's it's really nice that you know as we've seen some like toxicity in some of the in some of the Yu Gi Oh community, but it's not a good like Zodiac duels for example. But you know there's really there's a lot of great representation. It's just a that's just a bad representation of what the actual Yugi community is. Cause I've made so many friends that uh, my best friends like doesn't play anymore, but I met my best friend through Yu-Gi-Oh! So my closest friends are through Yu-Gi-Oh! And it's really great to have this kind of community behind you in this game as well. See, it's funny you mentioned Zodiac as like a negative thing there, but you know, the, you know, the funny thing is that like a lot of my channel growth and stuff um, came from Zodiac before I started YouTube, I joined Zodiac. And then ever since I've been going uh, like growing, and meeting different people and making enemies with different people, but also like, you know, finding friends and stuff like through Zodiac, right? That's how me and John uh, became pretty cool. Uh, how the champs like was through Zodiac, you know, I, I it's, a, you know, when you have a group of like 70,000 Yu-Gi-Oh players, you're bound to have like the absolute like bottom of the barrel, like stains on humanity, but you're also going to have like some really nice, awesome people that I've met there, you know? Mm -hmm. it, the, that i can definitely agree on for sure because uh, like i haven't got that so much with zodiac because i don't interact with it too much i just like to follow it because i sometimes like to watch what goes on but uh i used to moderate for pojo.com which was like one of the biggest uh Yu -Gi -Oh forums way back when oh, and facebook came along pojo so, put that on your cv <laughs> yep yep i i am i am a former pojo mod yeah for Yu-Gi-Oh. so and i've met a lot of people th through that forum as well and, and of course you know you're gonna get your share of people who are like jerks and yeah exactly like people you don't want to be around but you find a lot of people there that are also good so it's so i get it is true in the sense for zodiac duels as well i just haven't uh really tried to socialize myself so much on that as as much as maybe you have because you because again you've said you've made a bunch of friends on it and i can 
absolutely believe that because there, again like with every community there's going to be some form of like maybe toxicity or at least some form of like negative connotation you can kind of throw it at but there's definitely some positive in there as well especially with a group that size yeah for sure and you know i'm, I'm really glad to see you kind of uh to kind of take off you know because like we have a lot in north america but like we don't hear a lot of uh at least in in north america you don't hear a lot of like european like celebrities kind of go around so it, and watching your videos like i've always had a hoot watching them because i'm a big comedy guy myself i love watching it that's really all i watch when it comes to tv shows and i and i watch like some i don't watch a whole lot of tv but you know watching your channels it's like a nice refreshing change of pace because uh, there's a lot of people out there that just kind of like, as as you, we mentioned much earlier in the broadcast, that kind of just like go like stale and they just want to get like the push the product through. They don't have like their niche. They don't have their their persona or whatnot, as opposed to you. Like, I think you have it down to a T at this point in time. I think that's really contributed to your success at this point. Yeah, so far, so good. Uh, I think I'm really happy with uh, the position I'm in and the direction I've taken. And, you know, I've got my flagship series, my flagship, um, you know, uh, sort of content that people want to see and come back for um on the regular mm -hmm. and you know i i think it's uh, it's been you know a really good year for me i think yeah i i, I can agree and there's there's definitely been some good in this year for for people maybe not most people but there's definitely been some good i mean i started this podcast like three months ago so i mean that's a big thing for me so i'm glad i was able to get this run along and then as for you you starting like just kind of go over the top now for your YouTube and, and Twitch. So that's really nice to see that, you, you know, you're finally getting like what you deserve, basically. Like you put in all the work, you're, it's finally paying off. Yeah. Yep, yeah, for sure. So what's uh, next in line now for, for you as we move forward, especially with this pandemic happening? What's your, what are your plans for Yu-Gi-Oh? I don't really know. Like, um, I just, I hope the game just doesn't die because of this or something. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Probably not. Uh, but, you know, I, I can't wait to go back to like, you know YCSs and stuff, and uh, you know hopefully commentate those again and do those. Um, you know, do some set reviews and things like that, and yeah, just continue like from where we left off. Like I really miss like the competitive aspect, you know. And as it's uh, as serious as people can take online, sometimes it's just, it's just not the same as a big you know two thousand man event of like big sweaty neck beards that walking around and just trying to get. <laughs> Their winner mats done and their LTQs for the the you know get their world's points. Like, you know what I mean? It's just not the same. Like it's I'm really 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 looking forward to it. And I'm excited for a, a big major like competitive event to go down. You know, I I just can't wait. So um, go attending those again would be great. Uh, personally, um, I don't know. I think like I think like one of the next steps I need to take is like merch at some point. I think a lot of people really really want me to make merch, and I guess I should try do something about that. Um. Yeah, I think that's like one of the one of the things people really want me to do. So, um, mm -hmm. maybe that's that'll be like a couple of the next few steps I have to take. Mm -hmm. Well, it, it's not too hard now to do merch at least because there are several websites out there that will just if you just submit a design, they can like print it for you on like a T-shirt or whatnot, and you can sell merch that way. I mean, my, my girlfriend she drew my logo, and we just we just put that on like a website. We put it on Redbubble and we put it on T public. We put it on a couple sites and uh, you know, people can purchase merch then. So it's, it's not that hard. It's just a matter of just getting a design at that point in time. So I, I don't know if you can use your Farfa logo or not. Cause I don't know if that's trademarked by Konami or not, but uh, if you can, that's, that's definitely something a route you could take to, to get into merch. It's not that difficult. So long as you have the design. Yep, exactly. Uh, it's, it's a pretty simple process. It's just, a, you know, sitting down and actually getting it. Um, getting yeah, it going, of, you know? of course. And that's always the hardest part is just actually sitting down and give yourself the time to do it. Mm.
But but, but, but once you get going, it, it's it's not that bad. Yep. We'll yeah, we shall see. quickly that. <laughs> um, and oh, what's uh, what about uh, plans for your uh, YouTube and Twitch? Uh, what were anything different going to happen as as we move forward, or anything new, or is it just going to be uh, the same old stuff for now? No, I think people kind of like what they um what they come for uh, i think people enjoy the uh you know every month or so i'll have like a big event like a table 500 evening um I think people like mm-hmm. coming to hang out i think people like watching the bandless reactions live uh, um i think people just you know know what they're getting and they're kind of like okay with that i suppose um so just you know mm-hmm. refining everything and making sure that everything uh keeps flowing to um what makes uh, what makes this community good? You know, it's just keeping up the uh, what's the word uh, consistency. You know. Yep, and uh, absolutely that. And again, it's it's been a pleasure to watch your videos, and uh, I really thank you again for taking the time out uh, out of your busy schedule to, you know, talk with me for a good hour and a half. I really appreciate that. No, no problem. It's been fun. Uh, it's great, and I hope you know you get like more big names and stuff on your channel to uh, really get a deep dive into who they are. I think that's uh, a really cool niche to have. Yeah, and th- that's what it is. So, like, I'm capitalizing on my my journalism degree to really uh, get the hard hitting facts and just just know a little bit more about everybody. I mean, that's I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this podcast, you know, may have found out something new about you that they they never knew, and that's that's kind of the point of why I'm doing this as well. And and I have fun with it. I like having conversations with people, and uh, it was nice having a conversation with you because I don't think you've ever you I don't know if you ever heard of me before. We, I even sent you that uh, request to do this thing. So, you know, it's, it's like we're talking to a complete stranger pretty much at this point in time. But uh, here we are. We got a nice, good, long conversation. Yeah, it's been it's been really fun. And, uh, you know, I've, I've seen like all the big names you have on your channel. And um, I think, that you, you know, you're building up a good repertoire of people that, you know, people want to listen to and, you know, hear from. So it's, it's super exciting. Good job. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's just an I wanted to bring like a nice refreshing change of pace because you know you, you hear about so much about podcasts. It's it's a big thing, but you, we never had like something that was just that stayed consistent or or rather like really was that successful. And I'm just kind of hoping that you know my journalism background can really bring that all together now and finally get something going. And uh, again, I'm I'm glad that you can be part of the growing process. Uh, you know, as I keep evolving as well. And and as we said, we've all seen you evolve into like. Uh, the big person that you are now and it's fantastic see this is the kind of the content i love to have and and hopefully i can kind of replicate that kind of success moving forward yeah awesome um i wish you all the best and i hope it works out just you know stick to the journalism and not the geography you know yeah really yeah jesus (laughs) (laughs) just had to get that one in (laughs) uh any shout outs you want to give before uh before i send you off uh no not really you know shout outs to my community shout outs to my subs for um you know always being there and playing among us with me every night and coming out and watching the videos uh you know i hope you get uh i hope you uh get distant coder next he's a really big you know good up and coming Yu-Gi-Oh streamer right now he's really kicked in to um the scene and you know i i hope you get him involved at some point he's a really cool guy i think you'd have a good time talking you, to him yeah you're gonna have to link me uh his profile and everything after we're done talking here i'll definitely i'll definitely look into it and uh maybe have him on sometime all right sure all right take care wonderful all right thank you so much and that is nadir mazuni aka farfa coming on to the gate expectations podcast thank you so much for coming in nadir thank you so much for uh coming on no problem thanks for having me Don't forget to like and subscribe. For more information, 
check out the Gate Expectations podcast on YouTube, Facebook, Patreon, Twitter, and Spotify.